The following program is pre-recorded. Pacifica Radio in San Francisco. This is Flashpoints. I'm Dennis Bernstein. Today on the show, Food Not Bombs founder Keith McHenry talks about the potential eviction of thousands of people and how it will impact on the already growing numbers of the houseless uh, people in this country. Also down with Duterte movement grows in San Francisco Bay Area and we'll have an encore presentation of our powerful interview with Andrea Carmen, executive director of the International Indian Treaty Council. All coming up straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. We broadcast every weekday from 5 to 6 from the San Francisco Bay Area over the Pacifica Radio Network. And we are delighted to have you along. We start off with a look at what's going on in the Philippines and how people in this country and around the world are protesting this really, this fascist monster mass murderer who calls himself uh, the leader uh, of the Philippines, uh, Mr. Duterte. There's been a lot of protests uh, and uh, there's uh, been his killing machine continuing uh, to uh, try and uh, cut down the resistance. Uh, and that is something that we want to keep an eye on. Joining us is Jomari Geronimo. He's an organizer with Anakbayan, uh, Daily City. They, along with a number of other uh, organizations, Bayan organizations and others have been protesting and in particular uh, protesting the recent brutal murder uh, of uh, Jamer Palero. Uh, 22-year-old and Marlon Napiri, 38, two activists who were shot dead by the Philippine National Police because uh, they were painting a sign that said, Down with Duarte. Welcome, uh, Jamari, to Flashpoints. It's good to have you with us. Hi, Dennis. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, I wish it was under happier circumstances. Maybe you need to take a moment because not everybody understands what is happening in the Philippines and what a vicious uh, leader this Duterte has turned out to be. And I might add, while he was a good friend of uh, the Trumpster, uh, I don't hear Biden screaming bloody murder. And that's exactly what's going on in the streets of the Philippines. Oh, absolutely. Um, in the past uh, few years of um, under Duterte's regime, uh, the Philippines, the situation in the Philippines has become increasingly dire. Uh, more and more people are, are being attacked, uh, whether it's through the drug war or through uh, the recent anti-terror law that was passed uh, almost a year ago, where people who um, are openly speaking out about the Duterte regime's crimes um, are tagged as uh, quote-unquote communist terrorists, uh, which we know is only to le uh, legitimize uh, Duterte's attacks on the people uh, who protect their land, who are just trying to make a living. Um, as well as that, there has been a very increasingly uh, terrible, poor uh, COVID response 
in the Philippines, um, billion, millions of dollars, millions in U.S. dollars are going to uh, counterinsurgency uh, groups such as the National Task Force to end local communist armed conflict, uh, quote-unquote so-called uh, end local communist armed conflict. Uh, we know this to be a front uh, to surveil activists who target land defenders, um, and all this money is going to the surveillance uh, counterinsurgency and not to the people. Um, the, there's increasing uh, lockdowns and quarantines, but zero economic aid. All the money is going to uh, military uh, aid, uh, guns that are pointed to the people. And just um, to put a finer point on this, talk about some of the specific announced operations that turned into essentially mass murder scenes. I mean, this is not a new story, is it? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, the situation is increasingly dire. It's only getting worse and worse, uh, which is exactly why uh, there are so many people who are uh, continuing to join the movement to oust Duterte uh, and ch- continuing to resist, continuing to protest. Um, like we, like you mentioned, uh, J.M.R. Polero and Marlon Napieri, uh, two activists who were murdered um, on the same day that Duterte gave his State of the Nation address. Um, they were in the middle of painting uh, Duterte y Bagsak, which means oust Duterte. Uh, just hours later, uh, Duterte, in the State of the Nation address, uh, doubled down on his promise to um, to kill, essentially, uh, by his words, to kill those who dissent against, um, against the administration. Um, before that, even maybe a few weeks ago, the second Lianga massacre, uh, I want to uplift uh, Angel Rivas, Lenny Rivas, and Willie Rodriguez. There were two indigenous farmers who had uh, asked the military, uh, the Philippine military, permission to enter a space uh, to farm. Um, li- just a few hours later, they were found uh, murdered by the Philippine military. Um, and this is a very, um, I will say, uh, difficult to describe uh, because of how how harsh it was. Uh, but Angel Rivas and Lenny Rivas, their their faces and their genitals were smashed, and they were massacred by the Philippine military, uh, which uh, leaves us concerned that they were raped by the military before they were murdered. Um, to even further the point, Angel Rivas was only 12 years old. Uh, she was a grade six student. Um, I can't even, still now, uh, weeks after hearing the news, can't comprehend how the Philippine military can do such a thing. Uh, but we know that they are enabled by the fascist Duterte, um, and as well as uh, the U.S., uh, who funds the Philippine military. Um, I want to make up a point on the, U- the recent U.S. arms sale to the Philippines. Uh, $2.9 billion dollars in uh, in arms sales to guns to missiles to f-16 fighter jets and these are not weapons turned to defend the philippines these are weapons turned on the filipino people turned on indigenous people turned on activists uh the philippine military is willing to bomb its own people uh, for the service of profit they are willing to push out uh, indigenous people uh, in order to uh, make way for foreign mining companies, mining companies such as those uh, from the U.S., from Canada, from uh, the UAE, from Australia, and others, 
uh, to push out indigenous people from the fertile lands to make way for foreign agriculture uh, exports. So they, the, the Philippine military, under Duterte's orders, are essentially selling out the Filipino people. They are selling out the land to foreign profit. Um, and Duterte, um, the ATL, and all these other counterinsurgency tactics are essentially to consolidate power for Duterte so that he can remain in power so that they can keep their profits um, at the cost of the Filipino people's lives. I'm wondering if you know, I don't know if you're, there's a project of an Israeli surveillance company, Pegasus, that has been supporting some of the most repressive governments in the world with surveillance equipment. Do you know if the Philippines uh, have uh, received any of that equipment? Um, I can't speak on this, the specifics, but I will definitely uh, mention that, yes, uh, Israeli companies and Israel... It's also complicit in the murders of the Filipino people. The Israeli military and the Philippine military are um, interlinked. They, they train each other. They work together. Uh, the tactics that the Philippine military use are learned from the Israeli military. And I also want to make to another point the relationship between the uh, our U.S. police, not just military, but police as well, who have connections with the Philippine military, uh, connections between the New York Police Department, uh, who have relationships with the Philippine military and work together. Uh, so definitely, um, the uh, oppressive tactics um, by the Duterte regime are not isolated from the imperial powers, the settler powers of the world. Uh, the U.S. and Israel are also complicit in supporting the map. you have any sense where governments of the Philippines, I mean, you mentioned all the military equipment, has he in any way suggested um, that he might in, be interested in in to undermine this vicious, I mean, nobody was a stronger supporter of Trump, uh, but uh, honestly, it's hard to say this, but uh, Duterte actually makes Trump uh, look somewhat better. Uh, so, but they were, they were locked arms. Any change in policy expected? Um, I can't speak to Biden. Uh, we believe that Biden's silence is um, an indicator of his complicity. Uh, however, we are pushing, grassroots organizations are pushing for the passing of the Philippine Human Rights Act, or the PHRA, that would uh, essentially uh, halt all military aid until a, a conclusive investigation has been done on the Duterte regime's crimes. Um, it was introduced by, I believe, Representative Susan Wilde in Pennsylvania, and I believe uh, just recently um, Representative Ro Khanna had expressed their support for the passing of the PHRA. Um, we, we urge those who are listening, we urge those who are concerned about the uh, increasingly uh, worsening conditions of the human rights, um, increasingly worsening human rights conditions in the Philippines to... Um, Learn more at humanrightsph.org to really get involved, to reach out to your senators, your representatives, uh, to really gain support and push for the passing of the PHRA. Uh, we cannot afford to give Duterte any more money um, to increase his attacks on the people. Uh, with that said, I also want to uplift um, our call to block the arms sale. So just because you know the U.S. has uh, approved this arms sale, 
Uh, we are still going to fight back on it. We're still going to continue to fight back. And you can learn more and sign on to the letter uh, to block the arms sale at tinyurl.com slash block arms sale ph. And let me ask you this. Uh, you, there was a protest Friday night uh, in the context of uh, remembering Jamar and Marlon and really a very powerful notion of finishing the mural that they didn't get to finish. You want to talk a bit about the protest and uh, sort of finishing that painting? Uh, yes. So, um, like I had mentioned before, they had given his State of the Nation address on Monday. Uh, all over the world, grassroots organizations and concerned Filipinos, activists, as well as allies, uh, held the their People's State of the Nation address rallies. Uh, here in the Bay Area, uh, one of our actions was to create a mural saying Duterte Wakasan Na, which means uh, to end Duterte's regime. Uh, it was a beautiful mural. We had um, dozens, over a dozen volunteers working together to paint it, uh, even children who were able to participate. Uh, on the same day, we had learned the news that Jamar and Marlin were killed um, attempting to spray paint Duterte Ibaktak. Uh, very quick, um, very quick operation, you know, uh, just the two of them. Uh, this was a very jarring kind of uh, juxtaposition to see that um, what we are able to do here in the Bay Area as Filipinos in diaspora uh, to create such um, a large message uh, compared to the restrictive, uh, repressive kind of conditions that activists face uh, when painting their message in the Philippines. Uh, we understand that because we are able to do the things that we are able to do here, um, here in the U.S., uh, to fight back, that it is our duty to continue the call of not only JMR and Marlin, but for every activist who is murdered under the Duterte regime, for every um, for every just regular person who are just trying to make uh, trying to make a living, trying to get by, trying to have a dignified life, who um, who have the courage to speak out against this repressive regime. It is our duty uh, all over the world for Filipinos and allies to continue the call, to finish the call, until Duterte is um, is out, until Duterte has either resigned or has been ousted by the people. Uh, so yes, we held that emergency rally on Friday. Uh, it was a very quick turnaround. We were able to get um, over 50, uh, 50 folks, uh, 50 or 60 folks uh, who are able to attend, uh, Filipinos and allies as well, um, allies from the um, committee, in solidarity uh, for the people of El Salvador and allies from the Palestinian youth movement were able to speak. Um, and essentially finding that, uh, finding that responsibility, finding that duty to finish the call for our fallen, our fallen comrades, our fallen kasamas, as we say. You know, I, I one more question that relates directly to this, but I know, I mean, it's, it's a little bit off, but um, Duterte uh, clearly dropped the ball, uh, to put it mildly, in terms of the covert. He, he certainly had his type of leadership has uh, led the Philippines down the wrong road in terms of dealing with the covert. It's been a difficult time, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I wouldn't say drop the ball. We believe that um, his poor response is deliberate. 
um, the when we understand that the budget allocation is going to counterinsurgency tactics, when we understand that the budget is going to military, uh, right, and and kind of um, powering up the military in the Philippines that is attacking the Filipino people, uh, we understand that it's not that he has dropped the ball. The cruelty is very deliberate, um, and essentially that's it, right? He, he uses the military, he uses whatever is in his power to, to sell out the Filipino people to foreign companies. Um, he does not care about the Filipino people. He does not work for the Filipino people, and that's why we resist. Uh, the poor COVID response is only one, one component of this. Um, nice. It's very unfortunate, and we have to fight back on that. All right. Well, I appreciate you spending the time with us, Jamari Geronimo. How, how, what's the best way for people to get information about your group, to follow the struggle in the Bay Area, across the country where people are listening? Uh, what's your best advice? Uh, yes, I believe that uh, the best advice to be connected is to find uh, an org. There are many, of man, many, I would say many orgs in the Bay Area who are... Uh, many grassroots Filipino orgs in the Bay Area who are committed to the struggle. Uh, Anak Bayan Daily City is just one chapter of uh, an international org. We have chapters all over the world. There's also uh, Anak Bayan SF. There's uh, Anak Bayan in East Bay. There's also a Malaya Movement in San Francisco chapter. Uh, there is ICHIRP, or the International Committee uh, for Human Rights in the Philippines. There's a chapter in SF. Uh, if you are a student at SF State or at UC Berkeley, uh, we encourage you to reach out to the League of Filipino Students at either of those schools, as well as uh, Gabriella, uh, which is a women's org, a Filipino women's org, uh, with chapters in Oakland and I believe in Santa Cruz. Um, so there's many there's many orgs uh, in in the Bay Area who are engaged in the struggle. Uh, the best way that we um, that any of us can take up the struggle is to essentially find each other um whether you're filipino or not right if you are if you are for uh human rights if you're concerned about human rights and you want to fight for oppressed people anywhere uh whether that is uh, in el salvador or in palestine uh or in the philippines uh, those who fight for oppressed people anywhere uh must find each other everywhere uh, and that is the that is how I'll say that. Find, we must find each other. Uh, reach out, learn, struggle together. Well said. Thank you so much for spending the time with us and sharing this incredibly important information. Uh, we urge you to stay safe and please come back and keep us posted, okay? All right. Thank you so much for having me again, Dennis. And um, yes, thank you. Really a privilege. Thank you. Uh, stay safe. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. It's your daily investigative news magazine broadcasting from the San Francisco Bay Area. We're going to take a short break and we're going to take a look at uh, what's happening in Washington. I'm sure some of you were paying attention to Congresswoman Cori Bush, who has been camping out in front of Congress yesterday. Every just about everybody else in Congress went home, but uh, a few of the 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 new uh, Congress people have a vision for the people were there. Uh, we're going to talk about what's happening though, and how many more people might uh, unhoused based on uh, this 
latest uh, disaster of U.S. finances. Stay with us. Listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio, we return to our regular segment we call Food Fight. It's a, a segment with Keith McHenry. He's the founder of Food Not Bombs with organizations all over the world that are fighting uh, for people to be able to, hungry people to be able to eat and also the unhoused for a place to live, particularly uh, in the context of the pandemic. Keith, welcome back. You have been worried about this moment. We have been talking about this moment in terms of housing and what could happen, and uh, it has happened. You want to give us your uh, initial response? Yeah, well, first of all, it is frustrating that we've been speaking on flashpoints for a while about this crisis, and now it's here. And it's already been escalating because, unfortunately, even though the moratorium is definitely kept millions of people from already becoming homeless, it has not stopped. You know, it's not been completely uh, fail-safe because there's a le- many, many loopholes in the eviction moratoriums. But now we've got the cascading um, calamity where they're literally millions of people facing eviction at this point and the and it's shocking that there was no uh, actual national campaign amongst uh, uh you know you know the squad and so on for leading up to this but there was some bright spots in that Cory Bush herself actually had introduced some legislation in the past few weeks uh um in support of, like, trying to solve some of the fundamental problems of people living on the streets, and it is um, supported by a large coalition of homeless rights organizations, including um, uh, Paul Bowden's group, who uh, is uh, RAP. And so that is is, uh, is amazing. But then it's kind of shocking that essentially as, as everybody's leaving for the Congress is leaving for the holidays, for the vacation, that Biden then makes an appeal that we need to do something to extend the um, eviction moratorium. And that's something that actually the Supreme Court had ruled on in this, around, the, I believe, the 30th of June, that the Congress had to make a law that, they, that the CDC did not have the power to continue the moratorium. And so there were 30 critical days there where people could have introduced legislation that might have stopped this cascading calamity. And, um, you know, and, and to me, what just gets me is that all the parents that are a nervous wreck now and their, their children just watching their parents flipping out about what they're going to do in the next uh, few weeks with where they're living. I mean, it's, it's like a national tragedy. And it's already, we have so many people living outside now that are desperately seeking to survive. And, and, the, and then the response to this is criminalization of the, of the homeless, like what we just saw 
the laws passed in L.A. and what we have here in Santa Cruz. So it's 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 a totally uh, predictable, but it's probably the largest single crisis that this country has has faced in in decades. And Keith, um, uh, okay, let me just jump in here for a second. I'm a little confused. I thought that I read that Maxine Waters uh, said that the money has been allocated to the states and the states dropped the ball. Now, I know California has done it a little bit differently, so they're not they're among those states that uh, aren't closing down uh, at this moment. But what is what are we talking about here? What, has the money been allocated? Has the, have the states been sitting on this? What, what do we know about that? This is also crazy. I would say that the, the, where did the money disappear to? Who stole it? So, for example, there was a, only $3 billion of the of the over $40 billion, I think it was like in the area of $45 billion in rental assistance, only, only $3 billion of that was distributed. In the state of California, uh, my understanding, it's over $135 million was allocated to local communities for rental assistance, and yet it's only, I think, $3 million total that has been allocated in this in the state. And this is um, oddly not that uncommon. You know, we're seeing like huge sums of money being uh, discussed about, uh, say, for instance, Operation, Operation Room Key. And um, well, this yeah. is this is you see, this is what's driving me a little bit crazy, Keith, because uh, like I know Maxine Waters has written this and said this. You're now backing it up. You know, a fraction of the money has been distributed. Uh, it begs the question, do we have any idea where it is? It, are they just gathering interest in accounts? Are they uh, are the other investments or there are there major ripoffs? What do we know about that? Yeah, that there needs to be an investigation into that because that that is totally insane. So you, we got reports of people that have applied for rental assistance three times, four times, but never received any information back as though nothing had occurred. Um, there's, uh, you know, the, the traditional way of getting rental assistance in Santa Cruz County is through the Community Action Network, and um, and that program still exists, but that's very limited. That's usually two months' rent directly to your la- landlord, and um, so, you know, it, it is completely, the bureaucracy of this is does make one wonder where all this money goes. So recently um, there was an, uh, a quote by uh, Dr. Ratner, who is the um, head of, uh, of Housing for Health here, which is a new program that got $20 million to set up, but none of that money actually was supposed to be providing housing. It was for the administration of this program. And um, he said over $50 million is used every year in Santa Cruz just on the shelter program. And um, we really don't see much evidence of where $50 million would be going to this kind of program. It's only, you know, there's not that many people being, uh, you know, housed in these shelters. The shelters are often closed down. You know, the, um, you know, the, you know, anybody experiencing living in shelters know how tenuous that is. Um, And then the other thing is of all this room key money that, 
supposed to be housing people in hotels, we're getting news that on September 1st, people 65 years and younger will be evicted from the hotels. So we think there's roughly 200 people uh, in the COVID hotels under the governor's program here, while there's like literally thousands of people that did not qualify, never could get in. And now those people are going to be forced out. And then the people that um, apparently by November 1st, everybody is out. So this is going backwards. So you're going to add more people out of the program into the streets as it is the most vulnerable people, the people that um, we struggle to get into hotels. They're going to be living in the streets and doorways. At the same time, they've got more repressive laws in town, which will make it essentially illegal to be living outside anywhere. And um, and then you're going to follow that up with a huge, um, you know, wave of evicted people that are just going to be joining the streets. And and uh, I did. I got a tweet from a person about to be homeless. Last, what it is? What do you? What's the, any suggestions on how to survive? What is the first thing you do? And my suggestion is get a gym membership so you can get a shower. That's the number one thing. If you've got like fifty bucks, sixty bucks a month, at any way of getting that amount of money, get a shower. That's what is the number one thing. And and then I just hear tragic stories of people like um, we just had like one woman show up to the meal she lost her place because her son died and her place was connected to her son and so you know it's, i guess the son was the one renting the place she lost it she assumed that there was a shelter so we like rushed around trying she was you know can you imagine five year old uh woman by herself on the streets for the first moments um you know just freaking out eventually we got her a tent she was so grateful I mean, that's outrageous. And then, sadly, w- the problem for her was that there was no place to put this tent. Eventually, we found a place under a bridge where she could safely stay. But that's insane that we're doing things like that <laughs> to keep people alive in the, one of the richest uh, communities in the world. You know, it's insane. It's insane. It certainly is. is was speaking with Keith McHenry. He is the founder of Food Not Bombs so many years ago, decades ago, uh, with, uh, they have, they give out food all over the world, uh, here in the United States. Uh, they do amazing work. We, we talked to Keith in Santa Cruz, which is always a, you know, a way to mark what's happening in the other small, mid-sized cities, towns around the country. Because what's happening there is happening, uh, everywhere. And, um, I, I think, uh, we're going to have to leave you with the question. Uh, we're also in COVID 4.0. Uh, and it would seem to me instead of pushing people out of the hotel rooms, they would be looking for more keys. Are you concerned about that, Keith? Yeah, this is um, outrageous to, to send more and more people into the streets where, you know, you know what? Not only is there the problem of COVID, and the people that we know that uh, that live outside actually got COVID when they were in shelters, which is unfortunate. Um, That's but, a uh, problem too. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got that issue, and um, yeah, this is like a, a total catastrophe. So the the the, um, 
you know, I'm in the Santa Cruz uh, Homeless Union, and we're working together with the, you know, the, we're going to have like a uh, a week, Labor Day weekend. We're going to be doing our first uh, statewide convention in Sacramento. And we're trying to come up with a, the, the, the amount of people that are becoming homeless is so huge that we're starting locals and communities all over the state. And we're going to be doing a freedom ride from each of the corners of the state to Sacramento to to build to build this movement and we're also trying to change the narrative around who's living outside because you know there, there's been this demonization of people that, uh, that are supposed to be these horrible people that why do we care about them and so on and it makes it okay to not uh, to divert millions of dollars into wherever it goes rather than actually uh, provide housing for people you know there's several uh, empty units for every unhoused American so it's insane that that's getting worse and it looks like the rental property is just going to be sucked up by hedge funds and, and uh, Blackstone and so on yeah, and, and boy these big expensive houses are you know more you can't get one can't, everything yeah. is selling for more than they put it on the market. It's so tight. Um, yep. Yeah. And then the uh, and to, to uh, mortgages. So the, it's there's going to be the homeowners, like people that couldn't afford to, um, you know, their, their tenants never paid them any rent. So what's the best option? Sell to a hedge fund immediately, and the, and and then the rent, rents just keep going up. Through, through that, you don't have any access to who's actually running your property anymore. Um, the, the, that getting into a property, you know, here in Santa Cruz, if you have a misdemeanor conviction, which many unhoused people do, you can't rent an apartment unless it's just through a friend. That's even if you have the resources. And if you, you know, of course you're going to end up with a misdemeanor conviction, then you're also going to have your wages garnished because you got ticketed for living outside. So um, then you're filling out all these forms to get the rental assistance and then never hearing back. What could be more frustrating than never knowing? It's sort of like massive psychological warfare against the working class of this country. And, um, and, and that does not bode well. And I'm hoping that people do or organize and join. You know, we're actually trying, uniting with tennis organizations specifically around the, the both the National Union of the Homeless and the California Union of the Homeless, and here in Santa Cruz because it's a shared crisis. And um, we're hoping by organizing and and pushing back that we will have some some impact. And that's one of the things about the steps of the Capitol building. I'm not even sure how you get to the steps of the Capitol building since they, after January 6th, they put that fence around everything, but theoretically you can. Um, and there's a call to not so much to necessarily back the squad specifically, but to back the idea that there needs to be total change, a cancellation of rent. And, and if we can give trillions of dollars to bail out banks and Wall Streets, um, you know, we could have, you know, made sure that no one ended up on the streets. And here to, for Senate to suggest $25 billion more dollars to the military when there's estimates that $25 billion could end homelessness in the United States, that's being voted on at the same time they're allowing the eviction moratorium to go down. This is like completely criminal, and people should be rising up against this. And I don't know what's going to take for Americans to rise up, but, uh, you know, something's got to give here soon. Um, and uh, But on the uh, 
on the other hand, mutual aid, like what Food Not Bombs is doing. So tonight's meeting for Food Not Bombs here in Santa Cruz is how do we deal with this huge influx of new unhoused people that we're expecting through the winter? What do we do about basically the political and economic system collapsing? And how can we prepare to to make sure everyone is uh, uh, you know has the adequate food and water? You know, they just shut off the water at the main camp in Santa Cruz, uh, not just about a week ago. So now we're hauling water in there every day. This is crazy. Why did they shut off the water, Keith? Why did they shut no, off the water? No, they don't know why they shut off the water. We can't find out who made that decision. Also, I was I got ticketed and, and harassed and threatened with trespass for delivering van loads of food to the camp. So that's not, you know, if you're going to cooperate with trying to keep your citizens alive in your community, one of the last things you want to do is cut off water and cut off food. What kind of a government is that? They're not, and they're not providing food for people. Um, the least they could do is keep the water flowing, you know. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, but it's a kind of a microcosm of the collapsing systems in, in general it's across all, all the different, you know, like from state, county, federal, um, to local. And it seems like the, essentially this is just a property speculator's dream and uh, heck with everybody else. Another thing I'd like to point out is that Pelosi is one of the largest, uh, her family is one of a number of very large property speculators in the state of California. And um, she's profited handsomely off of not only all the insider stock trading and stuff that she's becoming more recently famous for, but also just, um, you know, she's benefited hugely on the increased price of real estate in the state of California. And yet at the same time, she's been actively against the uh, interests of unhoused people um, directly. So not only does she back and support, for example, the arrest of Food Not Bonds in San Francisco through all that time, but she, uh, um, you know, she's allies with, um, you know, other uh, Democratic Party activists, in this, particularly in the state of California, but across the country, who are design laws and regulations that make it impossible for people to get off the streets. And... Um, so it, it, I don't know if uh, Cory Bush's legislation will come f- to a vote, Well, it, it will survive in its current state. But if you are able to get to Washington, D.C., it would be pretty amazing to just jam the front of the Capitol building with pe- literally tens of thousands of people protesting the eviction, uh, uh, the end of the eviction moratorium, even though it is kind of insulting that we're talking about this now instead of 30 days ago. Yeah, well, you know what? Well, if, those, if, the, if the people come out there, uh, then I assure you the like the FBI and everybody will be taking notes and they'll be very prepared to shoot people if they have to. Uh, if they're brown, black so. and brown people. Um, yeah. Listen, Keith, here's what I want to do spontaneously. I'm going to see if I can get an 800 number we're going to open up the phone lines. I'm curious uh, what people are thinking. I'm wondering if there are people out there uh, who are like sitting on the edge of their chair, which might end up out in the street uh, because they're affected. But uh, this is this is one of those life and death issues. I have to admit, I was crying and cheering for a Casio 
Cortez and the uh, and Cory Bush and Medea Benjamin who are out there over the weekend. Um, it means something to me that people are willing to go out, uh, that a congresswoman is willing to go out and sort of sleep outside to make a point. People can talk about the strategy and the timing, uh, but that's a lot different than a lot of folks who leave town, who turn their backs, who, as you say, actively uh, undermine this. By the way, with the, the 800 number, I'd love to hear from you. We're gonna, I'm going to give out the number. And then I'm going to come back with Keith, and we're going to take some phone calls, and I want to hear what you're thinking about this. Do you care? Is this an issue that you have been paying attention to that you care about? Um, 1-800-958-9008. 1-800-958-9008. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein, and every once in a while, we open up the switchboard for folks to participate. Uh, and this is a conversation. This is about life and death. It's about who is treated with humanity, who's allowed to survive in this country. We have seen one of the things that we've learned from the Trump administration in a much deeper way, in a much more obvious way, is that, that really the rich can get away with murder, right? Trump said it before he got elected, and he proved it with his insurrection. Like he said, okay, now we, he said, are all going to march. We are all going to march. Trump was responsible. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that it was his insurrection. Police died. Many people were wounded. It was an attempt to overthrow the government. And the man is still raising money. He's raising money on his own insurrection. So, well, this is a very clear example of what happens if you're rich and you break the law. You can do anything. Anything. Mass murder of police. What the hell? We don't care. I'm Donald J. Trump. Kiss my ass. That's what it's about. And here we are on the other side of that. This issue about housing and houselessness in America. This is a key issue. This is a defining issue in whether we're going to be the same old, same old, or whether there's going to be some kind of transformation. People, politicians should be standing up. There should have been a, a lot of people out there with Cory Bush and Medea Benjamin 
Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of... So we're going to take calls. Mitch. Let me just give the number out. I'm sorry, okay. Keith. 1-800-958-9008. If you want to get in on this, 1-800-958-9008. Keith, go for it. Yeah, well, we remember when uh, Reagan came to power, and eventually Mitch Snyder was out there sleeping on the steps of the Capitol building. Um, and, uh, you know, he kind of led the way in that type of uh, idea. Then he camped out at Lafayette Park, and that became like a real, uh, Supreme Court case, actually. Um, we over here in Santa Cruz, we did it uh, for two years. Every Tuesday we slept out on the streets it, um, while, you know, our allies, the people living on the streets slept out every night. So we felt like it was like luxurious to only do. And I remember some Tuesday nights I'd go, I do not want to sleep in the cold rain tonight on the streets with people throwing stuff at me and stuff. But, you know, we persevere. We, and we we're trying to push uh, uh, an end to a law that made it illegal to sleep outside which that law still exists and is even more harsh today. And then... Right. Let, let me the jump in here, Keith. Um, yeah. uh, go on, go on, quick, finish up. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, uh, right now we have it languishing in jail is uh, Commander X, uh, who um, was a, a sleeping ban protester who uh, did cyber uh, civil disobedience, and now he's in Santa Rita jail, and he, he goes to court next time, October 12th, for basically civil disobedience of support of the rights of homeless people and of the right of food up bombs to share food with the hungry. Okay, you're, lis you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. That's the voice of Keith McHenry. He's a good friend of mine and of this world who cares about other people. Founded uh, Food Not Bombs decades ago, and uh, I have been impressed uh, from the very beginning about who Keith is and how sincere he is and how committed and courageous he is. Seriously, now uh, delighted to welcome an old timeless. I mean, I don't know how old he is, but Habu from, uh, I believe, Madison, Wisconsin. Habu, welcome back. Well, hello, Dennis, and um, good to listen to your shows. Um, you know, if there's any doubt um, who these elected pimps in Washington represent, this is, you, you can't ask for a more clearer sign. They kind of abandon shop, go on their, um, go back home, uh, ab abandon the business of, of the people, and leave these people in rental. Um, now, I know homeless is, is a special subset, but even um, uh, rental people, w which is the majority, are left in the lurch, and, um, and, and, and they're left to fend for themselves. I, I mean, if this doesn't get your bile up, I don't know whatever will. And one other thing, um, uh, um, you know, this is a, a sure sign that the empire is collapsing on itself. They get 50 billion and they only distribute three or four billion after about three, six months. I mean, yeah. this thing, th this government is kaput. Yeah. Th that one got my attention. That one got my attention. When Maxine Waters said that, I don't think she could make that up. Well, no, I, I mean, that but we don't have to worry about China, chi about China coming here to invade us. We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, I thank you for for joining us and for continuing to listen. When you get a chance, we appreciate it. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. And we're taking calls at 1-800-958-9008. A good time to get in is when somebody hangs up because we don't have a bunch of lines. 1-800-958-9008. It's Dennis Bernstein here with Keith McHenry. We're talking about what's happening uh, in terms of... uh, housing and housing supports uh, and if a whole new group of folks are going to find themselves out on the street in very short order you were going to say something earlier keith yeah well i mean we are we are facing this issue of what you know the um there's already roughly 40 million americans that are housing insecure just for because of the pandemic according to the eviction um uh, project at uh, Princeton University, and now we see just immediately that I see, read uh, that over f- four hundred thousand people are on the verge of eviction just in in Los Angeles County alone, and we can wow. see the struggle that is happening already with the militarization of driving people off of Venice Beach and Santa Monica and the Echo Park attacks, and and you, we're seeing this. Uh, these uh, sweeps of camps um, at, at a time when the people should be, it would be cheaper for all of our country if everybody was provided a safe place to sleep. It would, it would, it, so this is like insanity. It's like somehow the, uh, you, you know, even to the, to the wealthy, this is pretty illogical. You know, who would want to live in a society where, huge numbers of people are living on the streets everywhere and uh you know and then let alone the 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 problem of covid which is bad enough but then there's all kinds of other problems when you have no adequate sanitation for literally millions of americans that that's incredible and uh access to very limited access to uh, it's not just here this is very people in sacramento were trying to deal with the heat water out so they wouldn't uh, die um, the other thing that in our community, and I think this might be happening around, is somebody is dropping little bags of marijuana with fentanyl in it. And people would like go, oh, wow, here's some uh, marijuana. They smoke it and they're dead. Like, wait, 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 wait. When did that, when did that happen? Did you this see that happen? For the last, this is, yeah, for the, uh, when I showed up to the kitchen like a couple of days ago, um, they're trying to save uh, a neighbor's life, Phoenix, who lives in a doorway across from the church. And uh, and that's what the story was. He found like a little bag of pot. Uh, they, they, you know, he, he was the first to take a token. That was the end of him. That happened also. That's happened to, we, there's a rough, according to the police department, 13 people have OD'd. We've heard, uh, we know at least like five people that, that, not only OD, but died um, from smoking pot that had fentanyl in it. So we've been going around... Let me interrupt. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Let let me just jump in. I'm sorry. Uh, We have Alicia on. Join us from Oakland. Uh, Alicia, it's good to have you with us. Thank you. This is a great show. Um, I have a couple of comments to make. Um, I'm, I'm really believing that our government is broken. And if the Democrats... I, I... the actions they're taking, they're really trying hard to lose a lot of seats in 2022. And if this is what they're going to do to the 
they didn't pass the minimum wage, okay? They're failing at housing people during a pandemic, and then they're going to, I feel they're going to fail to cancel student loan debt, and um, they can't be upset when 2022 Republicans win houses. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Those are good well, points, you know, Keith. You want to respond? Is, Go on. Yeah, what's sad is that they have this, you know, this is almost like the missed opportunities of the beginning of the Obama administration um, with the TARP program and so on that resulted in five point five over 5 million families losing their houses. And um, so they have, like, the Senate, the House, and the presidency and could have passed all of those things. Um, and were elected to pass all those things. That's what everybody that was voting for them was all excited about having happened, and yet they did not do that. It just shows that they're, like, wedded to the donor class, to the people uh, in, in, uh, in the military, you know, military-industrial complex and, uh, and uh, in corporate power, Wall Street, so, and property speculators. And there's a um, you know, I noticed that, that there has been some debate about the number of people uh, high up in the Biden administration that will profit handsomely directly from allowing the moratorium to end and allowing all these properties to be able to be confiscated basically by Blackstone and other hedge funds. So I, yeah, I think they want to, they, they, you know, they want to get off the hook for having to actually oh, do something because okay. they could all right, we're running out of time. We've got a couple more calls I'd love to get in. Uh, Jen, join us from Novato. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Hi, Dennis. I want to first just say thank you for all the wonderful... We're losing you, Jen. Could you turn your head? I, Jen? Oh, it's too bad. I think... Jan, are you there? Jan, if you... Hey, Jan, you can call back. Call back, Jan. John in North Bay. How about you? You there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I, I thank you again so much, Dennis, for your program. And Keith, you're, you're a hero among, <laughs> among men. Um, thank you, Food Not Bombs, all, all of everyone. I'd, I'd like to make a comment. I'd like Keith's and yours, Dennis. What about affordable housing or group homes or even a place where I could pay, you know, uh, 50 bucks a month just to set up a tent with, with some sanitation and just some fresh water? I mean, that that would be enough for a lot of people. I've been in that position. Uh, and well, thank you. That's, you know, that's all I wanted to comment. See, it seems it's so logical that it would actually save everybody money and it certainly would reduce the suffering of all the people having to live outside dramatically but what we find here we have all these people excited about tiny homes and and uh, one of the unhoused person was telling, showing me all the designs this morning all excited about it the problem is no, no one will allow anything to be built they won't allow people to even park in their rvs um you know in parking lots it, it's insanity and um, that is ins you know what that is insanity yeah, why won't you allow people to be? It seems like it should be your 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 human right to exist, and you and to exist, you have to be someplace on Earth, and then to be banned from all places on Earth seems insane. 
<laughs> okay, let, let me, Keith, let me jump in because we got Jan back. I want to give her a, sh a shout. Jan, you're with us again. Thanks for being patient. Hi. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm not sure how we got cut off. But anyway, I basically said my question, like, how, what do we do about this lost money? You know, like, do we know where it is? Maybe I'm not as informed as I could be about the, the issue there. But I haven't been able to figure that out, Jan. I haven't been well, able to figure that one out. I... Well, you know, Dennis, okay. you you had you had a guest on years ago named Catherine Austin Fitz, and she yeah. worked with this uh, uh, finance person who uh, th who did a report called the Missing Twenty One Trillion, um, which uh, it, yeah. and that was for missing from the Pentagon. Um, so there's. There are people struggling to do that, but it's not, you know, even the military. But, but this isn't even, you know what's driving me crazy, Jen and Keith and everybody, yeah. and we're running out of time. What's driving me crazy is that this isn't conspiracy. It's not in some secret bank in the back door of wherever. This is Congresswoman Maxine Warner, one of the most influential Congress people there, saying they, she worked on the legislation. She made the money available to the states. They haven't spent it. That is a major non-compassmentus or worse. Jan, you yep. get the final word. I just want to say that is stinking criminal. And thank you, Maxine Waters, for bringing that up, you know, making the issue into a talking point, um, as it should be. And... I, I, it would be good to know, like, is that money lost at the state level? Is it lost at the county level? Like, where, like, at, like, did we get it from the federal government to the state government and it never got distributed from there? Like, where, where did the money go? What is that happening? Keith, do you have a 15, and, Keith, do you have a 15 second answer to that? Well, I think that it just gets absorbed by the administration of these programs so it becomes salaries rent equipment insurance and it just gets lost in the, in that and it's by design and it's part of the regulations that are sadly written into these programs and uh and even though max that's it waters, you know that's she put the money out there we supposed to have the money we're out of time. Keith McHenry, thank you. Thank you, everybody who called. I'm Dennis Bernstein. Back tomorrow.